On this week's episode of Where We Are, we'll talk about what to do when the news is crazy or overwhelming and you don't know how to process what's uh, what's coming over the transom. And also, a couple thoughts on forgiveness. You're listening to Where We Are. You're listening to Where We Are. We are the Wares. I'm Michael. I'm Melissa. And we're back. This is going to be the second episode in just a matter of a few days. What I, I guess we can't take that much credit since the last episode was several days late. Which I mean, <laughs> details. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I just have to... Okay, uh, as soon as we shot that promo in the beginning, when Michael turned it off, I go... Over the transom? What is that? And apparently it's a term. And I, guys, I have never heard this in my entire life. Am I the only one? Am I like, am I not well read? Like what's going on? Yeah, no, uh, this is an invitation uh, to all of you out there to send us fan mail uh, telling us that uh, you're better cultured than Melissa. Um, Yeah, I don't know, man. (laughs) Over the transom? Over the transom. Who uses that? I, I do. Okay. So just so you know, Michael did use the term over the transom. So I think like, what a, did I hear? I think it's well, a sweet it phrase. It sounds made up. Transom <laughs> sounds made up. That's why. I, and when I guessed it, I thought I was guessing what you said. It I, is, I thought you garbled your words. It is kind of wrinkle and timey. But yeah, you can also, uh, listeners, you can also write in and instruct me as to uh, what phrase I should have used rather than over the transom, but uh, I'm 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 satisfied with my choice. Just okay, to, okay, that's cool. Anyways, uh, we are currently enjoying a cocktail courtesy of Don Ciccio in DC. We have these little cocktail mixers, so we're having a nice date night right now. And we're we're celebrating. I uh, right before we uh, right before we start recording, I sent off the first. A draft of the book manuscript. Praise God. Which uh, feels great. And we had a great week at the Center for Christianity and Public Life. We were able to finally announce the inaugural class of our Public Life Fellowship Program. Uh, Really incredible leaders uh, as part of this first class. You can go to ccpubliclife.org and learn more about uh, the program you can meet our fellows and you can learn more about about uh, the center for christianity and public life uh, but it was it was a lot of fun to be able to make that announcement this week it's such an impressive group of people i mean it's um what i'm excited about is they're all impressive uh, on their own, I'm so excited for them to to meet one another. Yeah, um, and that's just going to be really, really special. And uh, so, so yeah, so so cheers, uh, cheers to cheers, that. It's been Michael. a good. It's been clink? a good. Yeah, uh-huh. let's. There we go. You'll hear probably tinkling throughout the uh, the podcast because we're just busy drinking these cocktails. Yeah, uh, but Melissa. Um, When we were talking about this episode, you had an idea, and I thought, "Yeah, no, that sounds right." So why don't you why don't you tee up 
the conversation for us. Yeah. So here we go. And I mean, we've talked about some of these things in the morning five or the past couple of weeks, but some people don't listen to the morning five. So I'll just give a little overview. But if it feels like the news has been a bit chaotic over the last two weeks, it's felt chaotic to me and someone who is constantly buried deep into the news, deep into politics. And even I have been surprised. Um, It's been a couple of things. Um, One being that big balloon, the Chinese spy balloon that was shot down near Myrtle Beach just around, that was around two weeks ago. And then um, over the last week, three more objects were shot down in various areas um, in North America. So not just the United States, but North America. We worked with the Canadians to shoot down a couple of the objects and then one over Lake Huron. And for, for quite a while, all anybody could do is just speculate, like, what were these objects? Were these balloons? Were these also from China? Are these aliens, like actual, you know, UFOs, unidentified flying objects? Um, what were they doing? Why did we shoot them down? Why are we getting stories about um, one of the objects interfering with the radio signals of one of the F-22 um, jets? Uh Are we going to see more objects? Why is there this sudden spate when, you know, previous to this, we had never heard of any kind of objects being shot down, at least, you know, for quite a long time, uh, anywhere near United States airspace. So we've got that. Then on February 3rd, there was a huge train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, which is right near the Ohio and Pennsylvania border. So just like kind of northwest of Pittsburgh, if I've got um, the geography right. This train derailment, February 3rd, um... 50 car derailment and around five of the cars had vinyl chloride in them and vinyl chloride it started to burn and the burning off creates a couple of really really dangerous gases and so that entire small town was evacuated for a while and then folks were told okay the air is safe the water is safe to drink come back in and you know i actually first heard of this entire train derailment on tiktok over a week later, about eight days later, was the first time I heard of it. And all and all of a sudden, my algorithm, because I happened to watch that one TikTok, TikTok thought, oh, okay, you want to watch news stories about this particular train derailment. Then it was just um, people innocently, so not like trained up conspiracy theorists, but people innocently starting to ask questions of, is this being covered up? Why is this not in the mainstream news? Is the water actually safe to drink? Is the air actually safe to breathe? We're hearing reports from residents that it hurts to breathe. We're hearing reports of people's pets dying, of fish being dead in um, the Ohio River, all kinds of stuff. So, and then all of a sudden we had a couple more train derailments, one in Houston. We had the nitric acids uh, uh, truck crash in uh, Tucson, Arizona, just a few days ago. And it feels like, wait, just kind of like the unidentified flying objects name, it feels like, wait, hold up. Why are we suddenly hearing about all of these various, very dangerous chemical materials being spilled or, you know, involved in some kind of crash? So I said to Michael, if, if I'm feeling like this is a bit chaotic and if I'm feeling like we're not getting enough information, um, how must, how much, how must anybody else be feeling about this? And, you know, because of things like speculation and um, entities like the federal government, especially with the flying objects, like the federal government has a responsibility to not speculate on behalf of the American people. The federal government has a responsibility 
to work on whatever classified information it has and to make public whatever it can make public. And so just yesterday, President Biden, um, so that's Thursday at around 2 p.m., he gave a press conference talking about these four unidentified flying objects that have been shot down, confirming that, yes, the first one, the balloon, um, came from China, and that the other three, um, he confirmed that they have they have no way of, they do not know that it, it's not from China. So they're confirming that we don't have any confirmation that any of them are from China or any kind of surveillance balloon, and that, in fact, that some of these objects um, could be were might have been used for the purposes of um, recreation or for research or from I'm sorry, private companies. I'm sorry. I just want to. Yes. So he he confirmed that for the other three, yes. they don't know the origin yet. It could be China. Yes. It might it might not be China. He pr- he pretty much used language that said it's not China. Like it wasn't okay. like completely definitive, but pretty much said that no, this is not China. It, so here's an actual quote. Uh, and quote, the intelligence community's current assessment is that these three objects were most likely balloons tied to private companies, recreation, or research institutions studying whether or conducting other scientific research. He's asking the intelligence community to take a broad look at the phenomenon of unidentified aerial objects. And one of the other things that he said in this speech, which I had been hearing elsewhere, but obviously unconfirmed, is that we are, and this is a quote again from President Biden, we are now just seeing more of them partially because of the steps we've taken to increase our radars, to narrow our radars, and we have to keep adapting our approach to delaying to dealing with these challenges, end quote. So after the Chinese, after the first balloon incident, the one around two weeks ago, the United States changed how, how its radar, what its radars were looking at. Like, I don't know the exact details, but apparently we changed what our radars were looking at, changed criterion, something like that. And therefore, we started seeing these other objects. And now, out of an abundance of caution, because the 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 very the big one that was shot down, the actual surveillance balloon from a from a from a foreign country. They're now shooting these things down out of an abundance of caution and working with Canada because some of them were over Canadian airspace. So we got that speech from President Biden. And so now it feels like, okay, we've gotten some official word from the federal government. This is as much information as they're releasing at this point. But before all this, you have a long time to speculate. And, you know, I... I, on various social media platforms and various conversations, I mean, the speculation was rampant. The conspiracy theories it's feeding into was rampant. And in a lot of ways, you can't blame anybody because it's really interesting to have these two particular news items at this current time because we know that there's a lack of trust in general in society. And there's a lack of trust in government and a lack of trust in authority. And then we have so much access to so much information and have the ability to just, you know, make a quick reel or TikTok video or write a a tweet, you know, just stating what you think it is or what you think is happening or you, you know, you think this, you know, this person's in cahoots with this person kind of thing. We have, because of the whole information highway that is the internet, we have people with the ability to actually share what they think right in real time. And so it all feels like a bit chaotic and a bit like we're living in a literal conspiracy theory. Um, And then with the derailment, like I started looking into it and I thought, uh, okay, why are we, okay, we're starting to get an explanation as to why suddenly we have a bunch of unidentified flying objects being shot down. And apparently it's because we've changed what our radars are looking at. Okay, 
with the train derailments, I wanted to see how many train derailments do we have each year? Is this number, is this a, an unusual number in just a matter of a week? And we have, in 2022, there were 1,044 train derailments in the United States. So 1,000 in 2022. Back in the 1980s, there were upwards of 3,000 derailments. So apparently, um, the freight rail industry has improved safety over the years. So we've got that. So it's not completely unusual that any kind of train would derail because apparently our freight rail system is mm, a bit shaky. It's not, it needs to be updated from everything that I'm reading. And then along those lines with how news was reported and who, who actually is in charge of the freight rail industry when it comes on, when it comes to the government side of things, there are, there are several agencies that actually, um, have some kind of role in the industry. There's the Surface Transportation Board, the Federal Railroad Administration, the Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Safety Administration. Um, you have the EPA, obvious, the Environmental Protection Agency, obviously if there's some kind of spill. You have the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration that can get involved, and then the National Transportation Safety Board that can get involved. So that's a lot of different agencies at play here. And so I would imagine that in a lot of ways, actually, you have a very localized incident, so you have local government and local officials have to, having to feed into state officials, having to feed in federal officials. And if the federal level is already sort of kind of spread out in terms of, it, of its response, it's also not a surprise that information coming out would be trickled, would be a bit um, haphazard, a bit ad hoc. But anyways, I wanted to, to look into that of like, okay, wait a minute, do we why are suddenly these trains derailing and apparently these trains carry a lot of really dangerous chemicals constantly because a lot of like this vinyl chloride apparently goes into making plastics which i mean everything is made of plastics these days so you can imagine that there's just chemicals crossing this country constantly because they're being used by various industries to make various materials i'm gonna stop there michael to sort of continue our conversation, especially for listeners, when things like this happen, I guess you and I, we use a bunch of different practices of, okay, assessing the situation and reacting, not reacting. Do you have like best practices? Do you have advice here? Are you kind of, do you want to put your tinfoil hat on and be like, this is, <laughs> this is all a sham? I mean, what do no. you say? So I'm, I'm afraid... Either this will be uh, really helpful for folks, mm -hmm. or it will make me, uh, or people will be like, gosh, he's aloof. Um, <laughs> you know, I view these kinds of stories in the same way that I view, we've talked on previous episodes about sort of investigations and mm -hmm. the way that in DC, these sorts of like investigations, information leaks out, and sort of there's, basically like gossip reporting mm -hmm. and i i view these things in a very similar way like i am waiting to hear official word on what is happening and i don't follow every dip and turn in these stories because you will go crazy and you you really you know sometimes you might you might miss it you know the 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 point one percent of the time when 
all of the speculation actually adds up to something real. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I'd say is like, as someone who pays a lot of attention to the news uh, and has for a very long time, so often these you just get a feel for the kinds of stories and the kind of reporting that either A, isn't going to quite end up being what it was played up to be, or B, turns out to be like a complete waste of time like like actually was was like pure speculation and so my my like my like advice on stuff like this i know it's like you know it was such a weird story um you know for this balloon uh but but so th- this really helps you get a sense though like right like i saw i think it was a uh, a Fox News anchor said that the bo- the balloon uh, it, it referred to its odyssey across the <laughs> continental U.S., which a is hilarious. <laughs> um, like uh, <laughs> I just love calling it an odyssey. Uh, but B like goes. She was spreading her wings and flying. Yeah, what a. Um, uh, it shows how much of these kinds of stories are sort of media manufactured mm-hmm. kinds of things. So, uh, so you know, um, so my primary advice is like you don't need to follow every dip and turn in a story like this. And isn't it interesting how? The stories that raise our anxiety, the stories that consume our attention, are stories that really we, the normal person, can't do anything about. Mm-hmm. Like, right? It's a it's a weird. What am I going to do about a Chinese spy balloon over Montana and making its odyssey across the U.S.? Like, there's no. There is no uh, uh, expertise I have to offer. There is no um, real immediate need for Frank. I mean, I'm. I hold this lightly. Someone can maybe prove me prove me wrong. I don't think like democratic input immediately on something like this is is really an essential thing. It's like let, let's figure out what this is. I have zero role in figuring out what it is. I do not have yeah, the, you, you know, like. You just reminded me because there was a story this past week as well, which compounded my sort of like, what? The the bingo card is just filling up with things that I did not know it would fill up with. But uh, we recorded for the first time ever, um, astronomers, that a piece of the sun broke off. Right. And I thought, uh, is that bad? Right. Is that normal? Because, you know, these news oh. articles were just like a piece of the sun broke off. And I'm like. You need to provide me with more, info- yeah, or more information. Yeah, context, please. I need yeah. some more quotes from astronomers telling me that this is a normal thing, and therefore, but it's it's the first time we record it. And then it just hit me, Michael, because I was five minutes into the deep dive of like, okay, where's a quote from an astronomer to tell me like exactly what this means? And I thought, 
we have zero control over the sun. The sun could literally do whatever it can and wants. Yes. And we have no control over Correct. it. Correct. We have zero control over it. None whatsoever. We can just literally sit and watch it. Yes. And burn. Um, so <laughs> burn our eyeballs. So yeah. anyways, I mean, that's that, that's for Because yeah. that was this past week, too, where I thought, okay, it's a Friday night. I need to just log off. So another rule of thumb, log off. As soon as you feel your anxiety rising, log off. Go do something else. Take a breath. But my yeah, other general I mean, rule of thumb. Particularly with stories like this. I, I yes. mean, so right. So there are some, there are some stories in some news items that you probably do need to sit with. And the train derailment, I would argue. That you can do something about. Um, that, that, that you're, um, that you can actually learn something from the coverage in the immediate term that won't, that, uh, that is worthwhile at the time, mm-hmm. as opposed to just waiting for the story to clarify itself. Yep. Um, and I would say that the train derailment is one of those stories where there is something you can do if it does concern you, if you would like something done, specifically about like the safety of the freight rail industry, the fact that um, trains have gotten so much longer so that they have to have fewer workers per train. And so like on this particular train, they're saying that there weren't enough workers on it and that the train had previously had some problems structurally and should have been checked more. So, you know, you could write to your congressperson or to your senator saying, you know, I would like you to look into um, increasing, I would like you to support the National Transportation Safety Board a bit more in making our freight rail industry more safe. So there's things like that. And then my other rule of thumb is from like the 20,000 foot level. So like when you're looking at something like this train derailment, like UFOs, like a piece of the sun breaking off, is that... If you're not immediately involved, like if you're not living in East Palestine, Ohio, or or Pittsburgh, or any of those immediate areas around it, it is okay, again, to log off, to stop, to take Michael's advice that, and I do the exact same thing, Michael and I do practice this, that we don't, Michael and I try not to speculate, we try not to speculate pretty much at all. We wait for, we always wait for more information, especially official information, and not just information that came from a friend, like through telephone. Um, it's okay to wait. And if you are obviously located in East Palestine, again, or in the surrounding areas, and obviously you your livelihood is like more involved and like there's obviously an emotional element to it. And so we're not speaking to like if any of our listeners happen to live in the area, we're not this type of advice like isn't speaking directly to you because we know that if you're in like the direct aftermath of something like this, then clearly you're operating in a different environment than the than the general one that we're talking about here. But But I don't think we have a huge contingency of East I, Palestine. Ohio I don't think so. Show. We do have our survey out and I've been looking at where people um, are located. It's been actually really, really fun to see where listeners are coming in from, but I don't think I've seen anybody from that area. But give a shout if you do and um, you can let us know how it's going. Um, so I think we can end that conversation there, but I just wanted to have a little bit of an episode on something like that because we know, we know that the news cycle goes on and that there will be more tidbits of news coming out about both uh, all of these situations and the new issues and new situations and current events will pop up that will sort of throw us for a loop and so we wanted to give just a bit of like the rules of thumb and the things that michael and i practice on the daily 
to sort of stem the uh, the feeling of chaos, the feeling of ch- just trying to lower lower the temperature, lowering the anxiety. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and when we get back, just a couple thoughts on forgiveness. You're listening to Where We Are. As you know, Where We Are is part of the That Sounds Fun Network, and uh, we're so glad to be a part of this community for many reasons, including that it's just full of wonderful people and wonderful podcasts, including the Human Hope Podcast hosted by Carlos Whitaker. Now, I've known Carlos for a very long time. He's a wonderful guy. He's an author, a speaker, a People's Choice Award winner, a former recording artist signed to a major label, and uh, he's uh, really just a fun, hopeful voice to listen to. And the Human Hope Podcast is a great way to learn more and hear from Carlos. Uh, new episodes are released every Thursday. And on the show, uh, there are fun discussions about everyday joy to even polarizing and challenging topics. And in the midst of that, Carlos's personality uh, really shines through. Uh, you can follow Carlos on Instagram at uh, loswit, L-O-S-W-H-I-T, and visit carloswhitaker.com. That's W-H-I-T-T-A-K-E-R, uh, uh, carloswhitaker.com. And hope you'll check out uh, this uh, acclaimed podcast from my dude, Carlos Whitaker. We're back. This is where we are. And Melissa, uh, earlier this month, I got to attend what I think is one of the best events in D.C. that I've ever attended. What was it? Uh, Baylor. Baylor University, in partnership with some other great organizations, but Baylor, uh, Baylor was the driver, hosted a conversation on the politics of forgiveness with our homie Liz Brunig, mm-hmm. uh, Bishop Claude Alexander, another mm-hmm. favorite. Yes, we love and, Claude. And Reverend Fleming Rutledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew Lee Anderson moderated. I mean, it was just, you know, I... I travel to hear any of those folks speak to have them all on a panel was spectacular don't not really going so i mean the main thing i want to say, say about the panel is it's available online would really encourage folks to spend time with it i mean just a wonderful conversation um and again just kudos to to baylor for uh having the vision to do an event like that but uh I think about forgiveness a lot. I think about the public value of forgiveness and the the the, the public role for forgiveness. Uh, Melissa, I wrote about forgiveness in the wake of of Charleston. Yeah, you wrote you about know, it in Christianity Today. Uh, wrote about it in Christianity Today, and uh, that that piece struck struck a a chord. Mm-hmm. Uh, a number of people shared it. Tanahazi Coach shared it. Um, Amy Sullivan, the journalist, 
shared it. It tapped into a, a, a moment, I think, and a part of what it tapped into was this this concern that I argued was not merited at the time uh, that uh, people were having forgiveness imposed on them. Mm-hmm. And I thought of I thought of that moment. You know, we had all these op-eds and thought pieces and, and tweets that were basically like anti-forgiveness. Like we shouldn't be, uh, uh, like forgiveness is not a good thing. It lets people off the hook. And, and the I think the one of the main lines of argument was that um, that there was this, I think people saw people being praised for forgiving and assumed that had they not expressed forgiveness that they would have been shamed or pressured into it. At the time, I didn't see evidence of that uh, because there were there were people involved, family members in Charleston who, had, who didn't express forgiveness. Yep, that's um, right. There are a multitude of responses. Yeah, a multitude of responses. But this is this is this is sort of like a card. This is like a card that gets gets played and people need to problematize things and so forgiveness was problematized civility operates much the same way there's like this hypothetical that sure i guess you could maybe like find examples but but there's this in my view an overall concern that if civility is valued then it becomes a weapon and and people who are not civil will uh uh uh, will will have civility sort of thrust upon them in a like a undue coercive way. Um, I thought of all of this this week when we saw the verdict in Buffalo. Yeah, for the the shooting that happened this past spring in Buffalo at Topps Market, um, ten people were murdered. Three, um, I think it was three or four injured. Uh, by a gunman, a lone gunman, um, Peyton Gendron. And yes, there was the uh, there was the sentencing this week, and um, victims' family members attended, and um, some of them spoke. Yeah. So there was a I, I, we've seen stories. Some read scripture. Um, there was at least one. Uh, family member of a victim uh, who said, quote, uh, Brian uh, Talley said, I forgive you, but I forgive you not for your sake, but for mine and for this black community. Um, Others uh, did not express forgiveness, um, uh, expressed rage and Mm -hmm. anger um, and heartbreak. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, probably most strikingly is the video circulated of uh, one of the family members while while someone else was was speaking, um, sort of charging. I, I think he probably knew he was he was going to be stopped, but mm-hmm. just could not sort of couldn't couldn't, uh, 
could not contain himself and charged charged the um, charged the, the the shooter and, and the the shooter was sort of raced out of the room and and police had to restrain the the, the man who charged and I just um, no no one wondered why he reacted that way. No, no one sort of said that I, that I saw. No one said, oh, he really shouldn't be ups, upset. He really should. Well, why hasn't he forgiven him yet? Uh, it's understandable. Like the understandable thing in our culture is not to forgive. The reason why forgiveness receives attention is not because it's something that's imposed, but because it it doesn't seem necessary. It it, it seems extraordinary, and and so I, I was just I was just reminded of that whole conversation, and I think it's like a really good. Um, I think it's just helpful to. Um, to, to 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 keep keep in mind not to get too caught up in these sort of manufactured narratives that suggest that what's praiseworthy can't be praised what's admirable can't be admired even if even if you doubt that you yourself would have the capacity for such an act. And even if you wouldn't demand that act from someone who wasn't ready or willing to give it. And so, so yeah, so that's a, that, that, that's the, um, that's the, the point about forgiveness that, that I wanted uh, that I wanted to make that I, I don't um, I don't think an abundance of forgiveness is uh, the, the the crushing social problem uh, that that we face right now. Uh, I think we could uh, probably do uh, with uh, quite a bit more of it. Uh, but forgiveness cannot be coerced like other meaningful um, acts of will. Forgiveness isn't forgiveness if it's coerced. It must, um, it must, um, it must be be willed, and it must come as as a. Um, It must come honestly. So, yeah. Yeah, I. Yeah, it was. I watched some of the, some of the the sentencing, and uh, yeah, all around it was just so difficult. And obviously, emotions were so raw. No matter who it was coming from or what it was that they were there, that they felt that they needed to do. But no, you're come. You're completely right. Um, I think it's just a. In, in some ways, it's just a complete misunderstanding of what forgiveness actually is and the fact that um, forgiveness is um, usually coming from a very big wrong 
and it's very difficult to do. And I think everybody forgets that it's it's like a really difficult thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do. So the idea that it would be coerced, especially in situations like this where a family member has been murdered, whether it's Charleston or Buffalo or any of the other ones. Uh, no. No, I mean, it's, like, right, we have entire, like, We, we, we have entire uh, movie franchises that are built around uh, exacting revenge. <laughs> like, we, we have... Uh, w- w- our, our culture is r- replete with examples of sort of the... the supposed valor of not forgiving... And so just this, this idea that um, for, forgiveness is this thing, it is th- that we're in danger of being too forgiving as a society. Um, yeah, uh, just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't ring, ring true, uh, ring true for me. I think for those who are able to, Express forgiveness, not just in cases like this, but in in all kinds of situations where uh, wrong has taken place. Uh, I, I think uh, those deserve to be to be recognized and not pathologized. Um, so yeah, but, and, pe- but and, and people do it in their own time. And I mean, that's the other thing is like there's a temporal element to this, like people being like. How can they do that like right away? And it's like, well, some for some people it is, and for some people it's not. Yeah. And for some yeah. people it doesn't. It doesn't ever come. And I mean, there's just all kinds of. Yeah. We're seeing. We're definitely seeing that play out. Obviously, this week in Buffalo. Yeah. But that's it. That's it for this week. That's it for this week. Um, really good to uh, be with you. Thanks for taking a look at the survey in the show notes. Would really love to hear from you. Yes, we've got a bunch of responses, and I've honestly had a really fun time reading them. Yeah. Especially the question of asking how everybody is. A lot of, most folks have answered it. It's been really interesting, um, sometimes fun, sometimes some of you are really feeling the pressure right now, or you're in pain because you just had surgery, and so, um, yeah, for anybody who's put down something like that, we'll be praying for you. Someone put down that they're getting married in four months and they're really looking forward to it. And so I won't say their name, um, but congratulations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's really fun to learn about what's going on in your life. Yeah. Really Thanks good. For responding. All right, friends. Talk to you next week. This has been Where We Are. Bye. Yeah, I still wanna turn up All I want is to go